Hello and welcome to another episode of Fintech Focus TV with me, Toby Babb. And today I've been very, very excited about this one. I'm delighted to welcome all the way from Chicago. It's Thomas Kim from Infusion. Thomas, how are you? I'm well, thank you. And yourself? Very good indeed. Thanks. Very good indeed. Listen, wonderful to speak to you. Thanks so much uh, for, for coming on the show. Uh, I've got so much to ask you and uh, there's, there's, a, there's a load that I'm excited about because it's been a stellar year for you. And uh, I feel like I'm going to learn a lot from this one, but um, I want to I want to kick off with you just telling us a little bit about Infusion, the story so far, and and uh, and, and a bit about your background, if you will. So, show's yours. Sure. So, a uh, little bit about my background. Um, I've been with Infusion for about a year. Um, I took the helm right when the world shut down, and so it's been an interesting onboarding process. But <laughs> we have an amazing community, and and they've really made everything so simple and easy for, for me to step in. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Um, prior to Infusion, listen, I've been in the, the, the buy side, sell side, you know, uh, fintech community for, for a long time, uh, having been involved with, you know, some of the industry first, uh, it's, it's been really rewarding. Uh, I spent about seven years uh, prior to taking this seat at Bridgewater uh, for, uh, you know, in a, in a number of roles, ending in with being the chief operating officer for the investment engine, uh, great organization, great people. What, what, what an amazing, uh, opportunity it was to partake in that. Um, prior to that, I've been, you know, CEO of UNX. I've, I was at Lehman Brothers all the way to its collapse where, where we helped build out the Lehman franchise through in many ways, the acquisition of Townsend Analytics in Chicago uh, that became, uh, you know, a wonderful firm offering great uh, execution management services capabilities in a broker neutral way. And, uh, and I've been, you know, the COO of Trading Screen and, and, and other fintech firms before really they were called this fancy thing. Um, and so it's been a, it's been an interesting journey. And really what we're trying to do with Infusion is think of it like uh, delivering an operational framework for uh, the investment management community, uh, giving them the ability to have technology help them solve their, you know, their deepest problems across the order management system, the execution management system, the portfolio management system, as well as front, middle, back office outsource services. And we've, we've really done a remarkable job, uh, you know, by offering all of this in a cloud native way uh, and as a service. And mm-hmm. so being able to, to reduce the footprint and make it easy, simplify, unify, um, and reduce all of the friction that the investment management community has been plagued with uh, mm-hmm. for, for decades, uh, we're really in the forefront of being able to, to help solve for a lot of these problems and we're super humble to be able to do so. So I, 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 lo- I love that. <laughs> I love the, uh, yeah, the friction reduction because that's a, that's a theme which I keep on hearing about at the moment, particularly in that sort of, sort of buy side world. And you touched on the, the, the sort of cloud native way and, and cloud has naturally been a sort of theme of the show for the last, uh, you know, for, for the last year. Mm-hmm. And it's been something which people are, are, to- are talking about, but again, in, in, in 
riddles at many sort of stages. And, and I think this is really exciting. You know, I've been, I've been thinking cloud's going to have its major breakthrough in financial services for probably about 15 years. This year is, is and, it, and obviously it's been evolving throughout that sort of time, but this year it's really gripped, hasn't it? And, uh, and we see uh, the, the sort of cloud story really taking on a, you know, a, a new meaning. Cloud native is, is a terminology you've used there um, versus you know, tradition, you know, traditional cloud as, as, it's, as it's put out there. Give us a bit of a, of a foresight and education around that as well. It's important, right? Because, I mean, if you think on it, our industry oftentimes takes the shiny object thing that folks are most excited about, whatever that is, um, and talk about it in, in very generalities that that almost takes away from the the value and the meaning behind it. it's almost like talking about something that you don't really quite understand and the dilution that takes place over time as a result of you know talking about it in 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 a manner that it can be bastardized right mm -hmm. what do i mean by that there is a sea of difference between cloud native and cloud migrated or cloud-based, right? Um, think of it like building something specifically for the cloud that is relevant and you get all the benefits and we can talk about what that is and taking something that is uh, legacy and simply migrating it onto the cloud, right? Inherently behind those two very simple things uh, they both have the word cloud in it, but the benefit that accrues uh, to folks who want to use it are, are massively different from each other, right? Mm. Cloud native, when built for that purpose, is designed for resilience, for rapid change, for scalability, for multi-tenancy, for you know, the ability to push out innovations not on a you know quarterly, biannually, yearly basis, but on the fly when necessary. Like we today, being cloud native, we're able to inject innovation into our clients on a weekly basis. Mm. Think about that. Mm. On a weekly basis, uh, clients don't have to worry about this this pain. You've been on the buy side where you know, where upgrading from systems from one version to another is a massive undertaking of testing and resources and iron, right? Hardware that, that needs to be upgraded as a result of, you know, these, these changes uh, that have been made. None of that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, implementation times on a cloud native is dramatically reduced because the footprint is reduced, right? And so, so cloud native, when you really get down to brass tacks is largely about pushing all of these benefits to, the, to, to folks who utilize it, massively different from mm. someone who, who has taken a system that was designed you know, decades ago to be on a, you know, a heavy installation on a server, then how that thing moved to a desktop to that move to a data center, which mm. then got wrapped around this notion of a, you know, an ASP, right? To then, you know, it wasn't, you know, now the shiny object is, you know, the cloud. So taking that from that and just popping it onto an Azure or an Amazon Web Services 
it doesn't make you, you know, cloud. It, it just means you put it on the cloud and all of the legacy problems that, that this technology debt accrues, it follows. It doesn't really change anything. You just really just moved it onto, you know, onto a, a cloud. And, mm -hmm. and it takes someone to know, to know the differences. And it's oftentimes, I think, important for the industry to just settle and think about those things. And, and folks like us, I think, are trying to help educate the community at large on the differences, because I think the differences matter. And now, once you understand that, then you can talk about the friction, right? You can talk about the history of what got us here, thinking about what the best of breed, you remember that? I mean, you know, it, you know, some decades ago, it was all about, hey, we have to pull together the best of breed solution, yeah, right? Yeah. And the best of breed solutions was literally about Frankensteining different systems and things together Absolutely. to fulfill, Absolutely. right? And to fulfill and create a capability that was lacking. Well, you fast forward it to today, the remarkable thing is, is that all of those capabilities are now the minimum standard. And so no one is thinking about the capabilities from the perspective of, I just need that. But the second and third order consequences of building that created this fragmented way of, of creating infrastructure that now today is untenable. It's a problem, right? Mm. It's a problem from a workflow perspective and it's really a problem for data, mm. right? Mm. Because now when workflows require data to, to traverse from one system to another, to another, to another, and so forth, the leakage that happens on the data and the, and the normalizing that you have to do from system to system and the, you know, the rebuilding of it so that you can extract the data to then use the data to inform investment decisions is extremely cumbersome and expensive, right? Yeah. Now, cloud, at least ours, in the way that we've built our framework and our solutions within it, reduces all of that, eliminates all of that at its core. It, it no longer has a Frankenstein approach. We built all of these components woven together to be operable on the cloud for the cloud um, and it reduces all of the friction and it produces a single source of truth on the data that is extremely easy to navigate through because it hasn't gone through the impurities of traversing from system to system it's 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 been solid from the start and so so in many ways I'm using a lot of words, but it's really a simple story just around, you know, a cloud native offering, solutions delivered as a service or software as a service. Um, and for the purposes of offering our clients a framework for simplifying workflows and unifying the data to make their lives simpler and easier. It's really as simple as that. And more cost effective, I think, is you know, to, to throw to throw that into into it as well. And, and I find this fascinating because it's um, you know, I, I remember probably four or five years ago, I was asked to to speak at a at a, a, a collection of probably 25, 30 um, hedge fund CTOs, uh, and they were you know the whole the whole idea of the person who put it together, 
um, was to try and sort of uh, showcase some of the innovation in, in technology on the buy side at that sort of stage. And then he had to search really, really hard and he used me to sort of bring in various different companies who, who I knew of. And it wasn't easy you know, at that sort of stage. We weren't talking about a massively in innovative area. And that's only five years ago, you know, six, six and absolute max. And so you sat there and, and there were some, you know, some very innovative companies around buy side technology who were there and speaking, but they weren't getting any sort of traction. They were very, very early on in their, their sort of uh, growth phase at that, at that sort of stage. And they've gone on to become, you know, some of the sort of really standouts in that sort of space. But it, it you know, it sort of lit a fuse at that sort of stage to say, right, we're, we're lagging in, in the, uh, the buy side tech space at that sort of, at that sort of time. And I think it's probably where insurance is now, but that's a whole other st st story in terms of where that goes. We've seen that sort of uh, development, and if we look at the the old OMS systems, the legacy OMS systems that were there and, and going through, we, we, you know, it, it would probably switch year on year about which one was in the lead at what sort of at what sort of stage, and people would have their golden sort of runs at that that sort of time. We're seeing, and 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 I know you're saying there the sort of Frankenstein monster of uh, of badging things together. One of the things that I'm really interested in is how much more collaborative and collaboration seems to be part of, of the tech suite and how much easier that, you know, through APIs, et cetera, that people are able to fuse systems together, but to still to improve that efficiency, to improve that speed, to really work with the customer and, and have things that are more bespoke to, to the individual customer at this sort of stage. And it seems like you're putting all of that sort of le learning and lesson together to bring genuine innovation. So probably about 15 questions that I'm throwing to you all at the same sort of time in that, which I apologize for. But I guess the main thing which I'm looking to do is, is saying, why now and why that innovation and, and, and how's that sort of you know, um, developed over the last couple of years? It's because, I mean, it, it's logical, right? I mean, it, it's, it's if, you, if we use the same history as an example, you know, it, it's just untenable. And so mm. now is the time where you know, with a global pandemic that's put a spotlight on what disruption looks like. I mean, let's, I mean, it really comes down to what was the catalyst that pushes and drives. Well, it was already happening, right? But it was happening at a, a particular pace. What the global pandemic has done, and as horrible as that is to humanity, what it's doing on technology is it's very narrowly trying to solve for, um, I can't have, I as a buy side or anyone for that matter in the business, I can't have this kind of disruption in our business going forward. I don't know how long this global pandemic is going to last. I don't know, you know whether this is, you know, what the vaccines coming available that, that, you know, I don't know what the new normal is. I don't know, you know, whether there'll be more global pandemics in the future, right? Mm -hmm. If we look at Asia as an example, they've been undergoing pandemics and, and disruption that is more than just a day, a week, you know, a, a month. That, you know, now we're in the realm of like, how do we solve for disruption in the months or the mm -hmm. year, right? And, and that's profound, right? And so it starts off with that, and then it branches out into, wow, I didn't know it could do all that, right? And so, so then, and then you overlay that into, you know, well, legacy technology, you know, it's just, they're just naturally less open, right? And so then you, 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 you like put all this stuff in a bag and you, and you mix it all up. And, and what do you have? 
Well, you now have an untenable situation when it comes to fragmented systems. You have you know, global macro issues happening all at the same time. And then you have businesses who have to do the responsible thing, which is prepare and be ready and be able to fulfill their goals, right? So for us, it's largely about, again, going back to basics and offering a framework that is designed to be open to solve problems, whether it's APIs, you know, whether it's, you know, more, more front to back solutions integrated in the thing. We don't, I mean, for our purposes, you can take, you know, a component, an OMS or the EMS or the PMS or, and, and use someone else's, but at least we act as the framework that gives the buy side the optionality to, to evolve and simplify through time for those folks who, who need more, more time to get there, right? It's still a little bit of a Frankenstein, but at least the core, which is our core, is cloud native. And the openness of the API isn't, uh, again, the same thing. It's like, you can just get this far, right? Mm. But still call it an API. You can go use our API to get to our core, to be able yeah. to then, you know, make your, your infrastructure that much better. And then, you know, again, it's a journey, right? And so we are, we are seeing a greater number of folks at, you know, adopting the front to back and trying to, uh, to simplify. But we also recognize that, you know, large traditional asset managers, it takes them. I mean, it, it's complicated. They have a lot of tech debt that they would have to unwind in order to get there. But at least we provide the seed that allows them to basically achieve this simplification through time. Um, and we work with them as, as strategic partners to basically go do that. You have to do it that way. You have mm -hmm. to have the technology that's capable and the partnership um, and the IP to basically come to the table and say, hey, if this is really what you're trying to achieve in terms of the simplification, this is how you would do it. And that partnership I think is really important so that it's not, you know, CTOs, COOs, CFOs, just kind of trying to figure it out for themselves, we can bring to bear hundreds of clients that are, that are, that are utilizing our framework and the lessons learned there to actually help them inform how they should step through the simplification. That's, that that's so important. It, it, it completely does. And I think it's fascinating to think of that, you know, that professional services element to it. It's, it's so often the unraveling of, of businesses in, in that sort of space. You know, I think back to, again, probably 10, 15 years ago and, and the OMS race at that, at that sort of stage was sort of characterized by businesses that were very, very successful in selling and then probably overselling and, and then uh, having problems to you know in in the ability to actually fulfill the, the requirements of it at that sort of stage and it's very quick to be able to lose trust at that sort of that sort of phase which then built up to a very very expensive secondary contractor market which had uh, all of the skills then go off to there to be able to implement it and, and, and move on and the cost of sale just became or, or cost of use just became so you know so massive plus the cumbersome nature of it plus everything that you've just just mentioned and this this to me seems like a seismic shift in terms of its uh, ability to be used and, and its functionality for, for the end user and and you know one of the things that I've really noticed over the last couple of years is, 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 is the companies who have absolutely and this is you know coming back to common sense I mean it's absolutely screams of common sense the companies that are allowing those businesses to 
to make it as simply as possible to engage with them, to use them and to get maximum benefit from their products seem to be the ones that are winning, right? That's right. And it's not about, and here's the thing. I mean, it's, if you think about it, it's not about an OMS or an EMS mm. or a PMS. It's no longer that narrow, you know, individual discussion on a widget, right? Mm. Because it's all, I mean, I mean, it's not about the widget. It's about the, you know, the deeper business problem, which is I need to be able to, as a buy side firm, establish my strategies based on my understanding of the world. And then to, you know, based on that understanding, create my strategies that shift, you know, from, from, from day to day, hour to hour, whatever, right? And how do I push down those shifts now to a business that now needs to function and operate? Well, when you think of it that way, which I think more buy-side firms are, large and small, whether you're a traditional asset manager or pension fund or an insurance company uh, or hedge funds, they're all thinking about this in this way. And they're no longer thinking about it like, well, what does my order management system need to do? What does my EMS need to do? It's, 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 it's broken when thinking about it that way. Mm. It's more like, what does my business need to achieve? And what frameworks do I need to have in order to achieve those goals? And so we oftentimes start there. And we try not to have a conversation about one particular element that we're strong in, right? And if we were to have that conversation in that way, we would likely win, but it's the wrong conversation at the wrong level. Yeah. Um, and so we try to start there and we try to help our, our, our constituents, you know, how, to, how they can best achieve their, 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 their broadest business goals and solve their biggest business issues is really, really the, what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. And it seems to be working for you. And I'm going to, I'm going, going to embarrass you now um, by talking through this because, look, it's, uh, I, know, I know the company's been uh, uh, running before your time, um, but it's but it still coincided with a, with a record year on, on arrival. So I'm not, I'm not saying that that's uh, all you're doing by any stretch of the imagination, but congratulations on, on that. Um, I think it's over 136 hedge funds and asset managers who, who you know who you guys are working with at the moment, and uh, and expanded by over 174 hires over the course of this year, which which is extraordinary, right? To you know to see that of yeah. a company of that sort of size growing by that sort of pace, that's 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 quite a year uh, in any year, but to do it over the year that we've had um, is pretty special. Tell us a little, a little bit about why that's happened and 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 how it's happened. Yeah. And so we've got, you know, you know, so I think the number is like, we have over 550 plus clients across the world. Yeah. Um, so sorry. Yeah. Those 136 what's been onboarded this year, right? So. That's just this, that's just this yeah. year alone. That's yeah. all this year alone. And, you know, and we had, you know, so we even beat last year's number, which was, which was roughly close to that as well. Um, and so, so, we were just growing. I mean, I think the reality is, is that people are getting, um, they're, they're getting the value, uh, both in the, in the story of what it is that we can help them with and the relevance of the real technology and the framework behind it. And so, and so with that comes, you know, you know, amazing growth with wonderful client partners and, uh, and the, the growing of our infusion community, which is, 
you know, which I think is, is, is thriving. And so we have, I think by the end of the year, we'll have about 500 people in our global campus. We hired around 174-ish this year. We're going to continue to hire uh, to support the business uh, growth that we're seeing um, to basically focus on delivering against two core goals. One is deliver excellent products and services, uh, you know, to investment managers across the front, you know, the front office and the, uh, the front middle and back office outsourcing, and then deliver differentiating client experience. Everyone talks about it, but it's, it's more of a tagline than a reality. And so we have, we have restructured the entire company, transformed it in many ways from an operating perspective to focus on delivering that client experience that is more than just, you know, having individuals available to pick up the telephone call when there are problems, right? And, and narrowly answer those questions, but more proactively understanding our clients' problems and partnering with them and advocating with them, you know, the things that we can help them do, ideally in advance of issues that arise. But at the same time, when issues arrive, we have those capabilities as well. But, but you know, it's it's been growing, and and we're extremely humbled by 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 the growth, and and we expect it to continue. Uh, you know, across tell, the world. Tell me about that. Tell me about that CX. Sorry to to cut across because I think it's a really interesting sort sort of area. And you're right. People do talk about um, great customer service all the time, and 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 it's a uh, you know it's an, a, a necessary on every deck and every business plan and everything that you look at for a for a three year strategy about you know making sure we've got customer first mentalities. It sat, sounds like you've actually sort of uh, looked at that and taken it more seriously and actually implemented it. As a, and far from a buzzword, it's a, a sort of culture. And I'm fascinated yes. in this because I've been studying all year. Um, some of my favorite brands out, out there full stop. And I think, yes, you know, sort of, if you look at the, the, the sort of massive growth of companies like Salesforce, like Netflix, like uh, Amazon um, and, 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 and similar, uh, Apple, you know, you're looking at companies there who've really sort of dominated that customer experience in their, in their, line, in their lanes. They've made it easy, so easy for companies to work with them. And they've created experiences that get real advocacy uh, and, and raving fans, you know, for, want, for want of a better expression around what they're doing. That seems to have been something which is is, is commonplace again in, in your thinking. Tell me a little bit about what customer experience really means um, over Infusion at the moment. Yeah, I mean, the, the stakes are super high. I mean, you're talking about a mission critical um, framework and capabilities that that fuel our clients' abilities to, you know, perform their duties as investment managers, right? And so, and so it's very high touch. It's the, it has to be high touch. And so we start there and recognize the responsibility that these asset managers are bestowing on us to basically deliver to them consistency, innovation, um, and quite frankly, fit for purpose capabilities that, that, you know, that they can rely on every single day. That's a huge responsibility, right? And that's not one that we take very lightly. So it starts there. And so we take from the point of sale, uh, from the point of the start of the partnership through to the onboarding, right? Managing expectation and ensuring that we're actually delivering what they say through to the customer advocacy through their account managers that are divorced from revenue, that are solely focused on understanding their clients, 
and advocating for them every single day through centers of excellence underneath that, where we have really teams across the world who are specialized at being uh, experts in the areas that they that they you know that they are responsible for, um, and then wrapping all that up in a global delivery service capability and pushing out in a proactive way that experience to our clients, where it's much more systematic, proactive, and even in some level scientific at the level that we're analyzing the data around just health, the the, the health of the clients, you know, in terms of you know, the ins and outs of, of using the software so that we can, we can deliver the kinds of services in a much more proactive way that's going to help them work through their issues. And so, so we're, 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 we've invested heavily in this. We'll continue to invest heavily in this. Uh, all of that life cycle of start of the partnership to steady state is extremely important to us. And uh, we believe that that's the center stone of of what our success will be uh, and will continue to be. And so, you know, we, we just wanna make sure that we're doing justice by the client, by, uh, by reciprocating in kind for the responsibility of, of agreeing to work with us that we do our part and deliver the kind of service and products that matter to them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I can see exactly why that's fueled the, the sort of success. It's, you know, forward thinking uh, in terms of, you know, what, what's happened over the last, uh, you know, last 12 months. And what a twelve months for you to arrive in. I mean, what a what a challenge to uh, <laughs> unprecedented challenge to to sort of turn up in a job and then uh, then be thrown with this. How did you deal with that? How did you? you know, no one no one's had the experience to be able to deal with that. You're finding your feet in a company. Uh, your your whole global workforce is then spread out. Um, and 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 you are you know it's 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 a it's a global team, right? So we're so we're looking here at. Uh, at relationships which can't be forged as easily uh, without you know being on a plane and introducing yourself to people in person etc cetera, etc cetera. tell me about some of the challenges that you faced and how you've dealt with that over the course of the last uh, last 12 months in particular wow i mean so <laughs> none of us would have been able to predict this i lost you know a fair amount of sleep before taking the seat uh, and landing as you know the ceo because everything had shut down literally on the day that I started. And I will tell you that the success is not mine. It's, it's really because of the community. Um, our infusion community just made it easy, easier, right? They, they're, they're, first of all, you're, you're right, they're located across the world, um, but the, the sense of values and principles that stand behind and, and lift and keep the, the community strong was just, you know, they have a very high expectation um, and standards of, of what it is that we do. And that in many ways made things a lot easier. But that said, in the new normal, I had to do different things. And so where, where you would normally have maybe one or two town halls uh, a year, you know, we've probably had you know, one every month or, or, you know, one in, you know, every couple of weeks, whether they're full-fledged town halls for the companies or for the company or, uh, or smaller ones uh, geographically, or, you know, by, I mean, we're, we're doing this, we're, we're now living in a world where in order to make sure that there is syncness of everyone and that they're all trying to achieve similar goals together where everything is gelling, 
you, you have to do more, uh, even if it's virtual. Um, and so, so that was different and, and, and we pivoted hard on that very quickly. Uh, we've also realized that, that mental health, mental well-being is, 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 is very challenged at a time where everyone's locked down, right? And so whether you have a family or you're a millennial and you're living in a small you know, studio uh, and, and aren't able to get out, we found that we have to do more to try and make sure that the stability and the well-being of, of members of the community was good and strong. And so that was also very different. Technically, because we were, you know, we're cloudy, it, you know, it's been, it's been business as usual for us and that, that's been a blessing. Um, but everything has been largely focused on internally in making sure that our people are good um, and that their families are well and that there is much more virtual touch points uh, to just make sure that folks who may be individuals who may be home alone have this at least some connection with their peers uh, and the community. So we, 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 we strongly promote people use their cameras. We, we strongly promote that people reach out to each other as if they were in the office and, and swing by their desk and just checking up and seeing how they're doing. Uh, and so that's been very important in just trying to get uh, people in, in a good headspace. I think there's a, you know, this is, this is a, a pet subject of mine and one I'm fascinated, fascinated with. And um, yeah, I know your team um, were, were, uh, were, were shortlisted and have been spoken to about the Ultimate Fintech Workplace Awards that we're running at the moment in our Financial Technologist magazine. And uh, I, I was speaking to, uh, you know, the member of our team who interviewed uh, yours and, and, it, and it was, I've never, you know, someone was genuinely excited about the sort of work that you guys were doing to, to create a great, you know, a great workplace. And as, as I say, look, it, go, it goes across the globe for you. What were you seeing in different areas? And, and were you having to have different uh, routines and different uh, stories for different people? You talk about town, hall, town, town halls. The global side, look, I have an office in London, an office in New York. Uh, and, and it's very different sort of stories for both the people who are in them and the, the, the phases of lockdown. I mean, we're Back in the UK, we are locked down again. In New York, it's it's uh, it's opened up a little bit, and I'm finding it really fascinating to to, you know, to see the different ways that you have to. You know, there, there's no one size fits all at the moment. Are you finding the same thing, and how have you dealt with that? Absolutely. And so, take Asia for example. We we have an office in Hong Kong and Singapore, and you know they were the first to go on lockdown, and they're the first to start going back to the office, and so. The conversations there are more around safety, um, because the well-being again of our community is 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 the most important thing. And so, what we found is, generally speaking, the commonality across every uh, across all the regions is that people actually want to go back to the office. They want mm -hmm. that interaction. It's just a question of can they do so safely. And so the conversation in APAC has largely been around, okay, how do we do it safely? Um, you know, in EMEA, London and Dublin, it's, it's been a different story because, I mean, you, you see it. There's a tremendous amount of angst mm. around how to go about, you know, operating. And, and, and I think no one is thinking about going back to the office yet. They're, they're, mm. they're shutting things back down again. And then to a certain degree, you know, then you have the Americas, which is somewhat similar. They, they've been on lockdown for, for, for a while and in different forms. And so, and so it's, it's, everything has been just been centered around safety, 
um, and about the individual dispositions of what they're most worried about. But again, the commonality is, is that we'd like to go back to the office, we just don't know how. Um, and they're dealing with sort of their individual dispositions or the, the cities or the countries that they live in to figure out you know, how all these things come together. But now I think the conversation has pivoted into what does it mean to have a vaccine? You know, will, will, we, will we be mandated to take them? Uh, uh, should we wait until, uh, should we wait until there's a, a little bit of a track record of what it looks like, you know, after people have started taking them, what are the real side effects? Are people telling the truth? They're worried, right? And, and rightfully so. And so we're, what, what I promised the community is that we would step through this in an evidence-based way listening to the recommendations of the CDC and the, and the WHO um, and the, 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 the city, the local cities and states, and that we would step through this together safely is really all I can really say uh, yeah. until we learn more. But the goal is to try and get folks back to the office as, you know, as quickly and as safely as we can. We're just figuring out what that looks like. No Did different than that? I think what you're doing. And do you see that as a full-time thing or do you see a hybrid model? I mean, this, this whole work from home thing is, is, has got you know, various different uh, models about what it can look like moving further forward. And as you say, there's people who fall in love with it and there's people who are desperate to leave it behind. What, what, what do yeah. you do as a business for that when you're looking at your community and listening to all of them? Yeah, I, so we're not the type of... So let me, let me say it differently, which is I believe flexibility is in the core, right? Um, and dealing with... Uh, individual cases of what folks are dealing with, you know, you know, post vaccines and what have you. I, I think there's a tale, right? The world has changed, and the world is still changing, and it's it's still trying to cope with all this. I, I don't think it's going to be a. I, I wish it were, but I don't think it's like magically there are vaccines and everything goes back to normal. I think you know. I think there's a tale of who gets vaccinated, how that happens through time, when does it become available? Uh, you know, the world needs to figure all these things out. And until it does, you know, any responsible CEO for a company would, would step through it thoughtfully with flexibility, understanding what, where people's angsts are, right? Yeah. Um, if your community or your people are truly your greatest asset, then you know CEOs have a responsibility to make sh make sure that we caretake, you know, and be stewards of those you know members of the community that are so important. And so, so for us, we're just going to step through it carefully, and and whether that is more remote or not, we'll deal with that as as we step through it, and we'll deal with it based on what what our community requires. But the the cornerstone will be we'll, we'll step through it with great flexibility and care. Yeah. I think that's a that's a, that's a great way of putting it, and um, no surprise to say that it's that it's growing and that retention will be good with that growth. I'm I'm sure at the same sort of stage and and uh, hitting the right notes as a business. Thomas, I feel like there's there's about another four hours I could be talking to you about all, all of this sort of stuff, and, and remarkably, time has uh, has gone through incredibly quickly as we, as we as we've been speaking. But um, look, I, I think it's an, an amazing business that you're creating over over there, and, and uh, you know the whole team seems to be doing a, a, an incredible job. 
and and it's a business that we hear rhetoric about all the time you know more and more so over the, over the last few years and uh, and i think that's great you know i think it, it, it's it's in a fascinating space at a time of great innovation and you guys are right at the forefront of it so congratulations and keep it going people i know will be hearing it and and uh, keen to hear a little bit more about it as well what's the best way to get in touch with you guys and, and find out a bit more uh, you can reach out to uh, or look at our website, you know, www.infusion.com. Uh, you know, there's lots of ways through that to to, to access our, our sales organization. Um, and so that's a great place to start. And uh, uh, we're eager to, to work with folks. Fantastic. Well, listen, thanks so much for being so generous and sharing it. I'm, I'm, I'm desperate to get you back on the show and move into more things because I feel like there's so much that we can all learn from, from just listening to that, that sort of story. So it's been wonderful speaking to you. Thanks so much for going into it in so much detail and sharing your time so generously today as well. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Thank you so much for having me and for listening to our story. An absolute pleasure. Thank you all for listening as well. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you soon in another episode of FinTech Focus TV. Thanks a lot. Cheers.